great to be in the Lord's house this morning. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. While you're turning there, I want to just say that Jesus was well known for drawing large crowds. And then after he would draw a large crowd, he would say something and a bunch of them would go away. Then he would draw a larger crowd and the multitudes would come and then he would say something else that was difficult to hear and, and several would stray off again. And I want to, I, I say that to say this, nobody's going to like me after I get through preaching this morning. Um, but I want to remind you that I didn't make the truth, I just preach it. So uh, if you've got any tomatoes or apples or any of those things you, you, in your pocket that you're ready to throw, uh, I'll take them, but just remember, it didn't come from me. So uh, we are in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. We're going to talk about something that uh, it, it is a much controversy. It, uh, blood pressures rise, tempers rise when this subject comes up. Uh, but I want us to look at what Jesus was saying here. I want us to get a better understanding of, of exactly what it was that, uh, that he was bringing out here. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. And uh, when we get there, verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the day. We're thankful for uh, those that are here this morning. Thank you for your love and your mercy. God, we're thankful that you don't always give us what we deserve, but you are merciful. And Lord, we're thankful that you bless us with things that we don't deserve because of your grace. Lord, we're not worthy. We don't deserve any of those, but you give it to us from your love. And God, you, I know that you've commanded us through your word and Jesus commanded us in this sermon to love others, to treat others with the same love that we would want to be treated with was part of his teaching. And God, I pray that you would just help us this morning as we consider what is being said here. Lord, expose truth to us, but at the same time convict our hearts as we consider uh, ways that we have misused this verse uh, for our own good and our own purposes. And Lord, I pray that you would bring conviction to our hearts. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, they may not know it now and we may not know it, but you know it. Pray that you would help them to understand and see their need for Christ, that they would come to trust Him today as Savior. Lord, if there's any decisions that need to be made for you, uh, whether it be for church membership, for baptism, uh, for just a deeper commitment uh, to you, whatever it is, I pray that you would uh, lead us and help us to have faith and trust that you can provide and you will take care of us when we follow your will. Thank you so much for Christ who gave his life on the cross for us. Lord, help us to be dead to sin and alive to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going through the King's Sermon, otherwise known as the Sermon on the Mount, and we come into a new chapter today. I've just simply titled the sermon this morning, Don't Judge. I almost entitled it Don't Hate, but most of you would not get that, so I, I put Don't Judge, and, uh, and that is what Jesus says here. In today's message, we begin a new section of the King's Sermon, and let me remind you that 
Although we've entered into a new section, we cannot study these verses. We can't study chapter 7 apart from the preceding verses and preceding chapters. Uh, the principles in this chapter, what I'm saying, are still built upon the foundation of Christ's teachings in the frameworks of the Beatitude and in the other things that he set up uh, throughout the rest of these teachings. And so in chapter 7, as we enter into this new chapter, I want you to understand that spiritually or as far as doctrine is concerned, we're not building a new building here, we're just adding a new level. And so it, this is just adding on, it's, it's more onto the things that he has already said. Now, when I introduced the Sermon on the Mount to you, I taught that Jesus' sermon could be divided into uh, four main sections. And I said, first of all, the first section of the Sermon on the Mount is uh, humility, and we find that in the Beatitudes. And so, uh, through verses 1 through 16, we find teaching on humility. Through the rest of that chapter, we, we find teaching on righteousness and what it means if, if we are to be a righteous people, what true righteousness is and, and how we are to, of course, respond to the law and uh, to the commandments of God. In chapter 6, we see a lot of teaching on worship and, of course, our loyalty to, to God and to Christ and this kingdom. And then in this last chapter, this last chapter is about judgment. The entirety of chapter 7 is focused on judgment. We face the judgment of others in verses 3 through 5. We face the judgment of the wicked in verse 6. We face the judgment of lifestyles in verses 13 and 14. We face the judgment of, of false prophets in verses 15 through 20. We see the judgment of false Christians in verses 21 through 23. And then the judgment of those who refuse Christ's teachings we find in verses 24 through 27. The whole chapter is judgment. Which all leads us to the Jesus' first command in this section. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 says... Judge not. Let's bow in prayer again. Father, give us a heart to understand. God, direct me to speak the truth. Lead our hearts to truth. Help us to accept it. In Jesus' name, amen. When we approach this subject of judgment, there, there are a couple ways we need to approach this. First of all, we need to look at the misunderstanding on this verse. Um, this has to be one of the most misunderstood and misquoted scriptures in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows this verse. They may not know anything. They may not know John 3.16, but they know, judge not that you be not judged. You could be sitting with someone that is a known drug addict, has been bragging to you about it, uh, spends all their time running around and, and uh, uh, chasing women or, or chasing this or chasing that. They're, they're doing this and that. And, and you can say, listen, you know, the Bible says this or that, and what are they going to say back to you? They don't even own a Bible, but they're going to quote this verse back to you. Don't judge, lest you be judged. I put a tweet out this, this past week that said that our problem with this misinterpretation of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, where it says, to judge not lest you be judged, it's not really, we don't say that because we are just outraged that someone would do something that's wrong. But the reason why this is so often quoted is because we have an acute hatred towards, number one, having to confront the sin of others, or number two, having our sins confronted. 
And so this is the first one that we want to pull out. As soon as we feel as though someone is correcting us or, or that we are uh, you know, some, somehow uh, being judged by another, that, that's the first thing we want to do is we want to pull this out and say, don't judge me. You don't have the right to judge. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Or if we see sin in the life of a brother or sister, we refrain from going to them and giving any kind of counsel or correction because... This is the excuse we use. Jesus says, don't judge, so it's not my place to say anything. I want you to understand this morning that, and don't judge me for this, <laughs> that is a misunderstanding of this verse and what Jesus is teaching here. We've all heard this verse quoted to us almost any time we have attempted to offer advice, give correction, question a motive, confront a bad behavior, people will say, judge not lest you be judged. We've heard it from them. Don't judge me. We dodge confrontation by saying it's not my place. But this misunderstanding of Jesus' command has promoted a tolerance towards every kind of sin imaginable, and we remain silent about sin in our country today because it's not our place to judge. I want to tell you something. You are a citizen and an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, and yes, it is your right and your place to judge. In its proper use and context. Don't get your tomatoes out yet. Just, just bear with me. Now the question is, what do we do with the rest of the Bible or the rest of this chapter if Jesus meant that we are never under any circumstance to ever judge others or to make judgment? In verse 15, we're told to beware of false prophets. Now in order for us to be aware of false prophets and to do something about that, it requires us to make a judgment about whether or not they're a false prophet, does it not? Amen. And so he tells us in verse 15, he says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And so if we are to point out and mark false prophets and say, Don't listen to them, they are a false prophet, then it requires judgment on our part. I feel they can come arrest me for this if they want to. But I feel like I can say without question that there are preachers on TV that are false prophets. There's been a great controversy over one and his wife over the last couple of weeks, something that was said. Now, have I become judgmental because I say that? No. But because I know truth, I'm able to make a judgment. I'm able to discern that this is false. There's something wrong when they say, don't do good for God, do good for yourself. There's something wrong with that. Amen. And so I can say, that is a false prophet. Amen. Don't listen to that. As a matter of fact, I find it part of my responsibility to say that. In verse 6, we're, not told, we're told not to give holy things to dogs or precious things to swines. Now, he's not talking about dogs and pigs here. He's calling people dogs and people swines, and he says, 
Don't give that which is good to them. Why? Because they're going to misuse it and abuse it and throw it away. It's going to be trampled underfoot. In order to do that, there has to be a judgment made, does it not? Even in the moat quote, we're forbidden to remove the moat from our brother's eye. Excuse me, we're not forbidden to remove the moat from our brother's eye. We're just told to make sure that the beam is cleared from our own first. And so this chapter does not say don't ever judge under any circumstance, but what it does teach is that judgment is right in its proper place and its proper motives and in the way that God issued it to us. Jesus' command was never intended to strip His people or His churches from the authority to judge when the Bible clearly teaches that we are. And this is, I believe, part of why our country is in such the position that it is is because we've had generations of churches that have held on to this. They've refused to confront sin in this country. They have refused to confront the problems that are going on in this nation. And they do it by cowarding behind this command not to judge. But there is a vast difference between calling out truth and making critical judgment of other people, which Jesus is teaching against here. And so we have become silent against the issues of our day, and now people want to speak out, but we've gotten so buried so far beneath all this junk that's going on in our nation, we can't hardly find a way out of this thing. It's going to take God if we're ever going to come back to be the nation that we're supposed to be. Why? Because the people of God's kingdom became cowards and would not speak out and speak up against these issues. Do you know that the majority of America are not atheists? The majority of America are not people who hate God. Did you know that Christians are the majority, but somehow the minority has gained power in the, in the government, they gain power in Washington, they gain power here and there, and when any of them speak out, people listen and everything is followed. But, but the majority of America are Christians. What is the problem? Christians are not making judgment. People are not, Christians are not representing this kingdom and using the authority that God has given us to reflect right and to show goodness and, of course, to call out sin and expose it for what it is. Amen. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. You come to me and say, Brother, I've seen and heard you do some things that I know are not right. I'm not going to pull out, don't judge me. I'm going to appreciate you because I would rather you openly correct me than to love me in secret and let me go down the path of death. Amen. Amen. First Timothy five twenty says, Them that sin rebuke before all that others may also fear. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says in verses 15 through 17, He says, If your brother trespasses against you, go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if they neglect to hear them, then tell it to the church. And if he neglects to hear the church, then let him uh, be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. What did Jesus just tell the church to do? 
to judge. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, he says, You which are spiritual, restore such a one into the spirit, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. He says to approach them in meekness, but he says to address their sin. Judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 13 says, I wrote unto you an epistle not to company with fornicators. Judge. <laughs> He says, but now I've written to you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or railer or drunkard or extortioner with such one know not to eat. For what have I to judge them that are also without? He says, do you not judge them that are with them, but them that are, them that are without God judges? Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Amen. Right. Judgment. The list goes on and on. We're told repeatedly to expose sin, correct disobedience, discipline the rebellious, mark false teachers, and hold one another accountable for sin. Amen. Stop hiding behind this misinterpretation of what Jesus said. By doing so, you cancel out the rest of God's Word. Now, having said that, made enemies of everyone here, let me go on. Jesus did say, judge not. And so, in understanding of the Bible as a whole, and in understanding what Jesus has already been teaching against here throughout the Sermon on the Mount, what did he mean when he said, judge not? The commandment given by Jesus to judge not is directed towards the motives of a heart when we judge. He's talking about being hypercritical against other people. It's speaking towards the merciless criticisms that we so readily dish out to anyone who doesn't meet up to our expectations. When Jesus says judge not, He's not saying don't go to someone who's been missing out on church and tell them, we have been missing you, and the Bible says not to forsake the sinning of ourselves again. And so in love, I'm, I'm encouraging you, uh, I'm telling you that, that it's wrong to, to stay away from God's house, and I'm encouraging you to come back. He doesn't say don't do that. But what he does say is this, when a person is missing from church, don't sit back there and say they don't love God. Don't sit back and say they're, they're a heathen. Don't sit back and say that they're useless. You don't make judgments on the person, you make judgments on the sin. When a person is caught in adultery, he doesn't say, you don't go to that person and say, adultery is wrong, the Bible says it's wrong, and if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to repent of this thing. He doesn't say not to do that, but he does say, you don't sit back and make judgments on them as a person. When somebody has an attitude that you don't like, or they do something you don't like, or they don't do something that you want them to do, or, or this or that, it's not wrong to confront that person and say, listen, you have offended me in this, or I believe this to be wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, but it is wrong to sit back and tell all your friends how useless that person is. Right. He's not commanding that we don't pronounce judgment He's commanding that we don't 
become hypercritical of others. There's a vast difference between judging and being judgmental. Judging the sin and casting judgment on the person. Huge difference. As pointed out earlier, this entire chapter is about judgment. Therefore, if we are to judge righteously, then it must come from the proper attitude and motives. And so if God has given us within our ministry the responsibility to confront sin and, and at times even to make judgment, then even if we're going to do that, we do not abuse that privilege by making judgment about us and not about God. Now I want you to pay attention. We said the whole chapter is on judgment. Some of it talks about judgment that God's going to do. Some of it talks about responsibilities that we have to judge. And so before he gets into to the ways that we are responsible for making judgment and, and uh, being leaders and things like that, before he gets into all this, he approaches this critical attitude and says, don't judge lest you be judged. Judgment is right in its proper place. But the moment you begin abusing it to lift up yourself and promote your own agendas, when you no longer have love and patience for someone who doesn't do what you expect them to do, he says, beware of that because God may hold you to the same level of criticism and expectations. In line with one of the major themes of the sermon, judgment is about standing for God's truth being judgmental is about promoting self. If we've learned anything from the Sermon on the Mount so far, we've learned that life is not about self. It's about this kingdom. It's about God, our King. And so what he's teaching against here is not godly judgment. He's teaching against selfish judgment. And that's really where it comes from, isn't it? Why do we feel like we need to criticize people so much because by kicking them down a few notches, I lift myself up a few. Because when they don't do what I want, I feel that I have the responsibility to expose who they are to everybody else. He never said judge who they are. He just says to confront what happens sometimes. The bottom line truth is that although we are given the right to judge actions, we are not given the right to judge people. And so can we correct sin? Yes. Can we condemn people? No. Never. It's not our place. I can judge your behaviors right or wrong. I can tell you about your behavior. I can call you out on your behavior. I can withdraw fellowship with you because of your behavior, but I cannot judge you based on your behavior. That's not my place. Again, we ought to avoid confronting sin because we've been told don't judge, yet we sit at a distance and judge who does and who doesn't love God, who is or isn't faithful, who is or isn't sincere. We begin at a distance casting judgment on that person, thereby doing the exact thing that we're trying not to do. Anybody following me? So you have sin in your life, or there's sin out there, and I say... Well, Jesus says don't judge, so I don't have any place to talk to him about it. And so I don't go confront the sin, which may actually lead to life for that person. I don't go constructively criticize what is going on in their lives, or help point out the error of their ways. But what I will do is I'll sit back in the background on email and uh, on Facebook and 
who do you think you are? Let me take you back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit who realize that they themselves are nothing, thereby they have no right to judge others on being nothing. find a warning here in verses 1 and 2. He says, Judge not, chapter 7, verse 1. At the end of that verse he says, of course, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. We're commanded not to be judgmental, and then we're told why. Why are we not to judge? Because unfair or unauthorized judgment on others brings judgment on ourselves. Jesus assured that we will be scrutinized under the same microscope that we have used on others. The judgment we use against others will be used against us, and the same measure of criticism that we dump on others is going to be measured right back to us. So God's sitting back listening. because they may come back to haunt you instead of the person you're criticizing. Now let us bring back this back into a kingdom focus. Let's make everybody happy again. As representatives of God's kingdom, we have the responsibility to stand for truth. We have the responsibility to preserve righteousness and at times even to make judgments. That is part of our responsibility. But understand that even in this capacity, we are never to make judgment for our own benefit. Everything we do is for the kingdom. The problem comes when we take a responsibility God has given us and we exercise it through the wrong motives and for the wrong purposes. Any judgment that we have the right to give is only to glorify Him and only to further His agenda. But the moment it becomes personal to us, it becomes sin to Him. This is very similar to the teaching on anger. Anger itself is not wrong. It's not wrong to get angry. God gave you that emotion. And so he's not going to slap you every time you get angry. But there is a right kind of anger and there is a wrong kind of anger. 
We talked about this when we dealt with the subject of anger. We said there's something called righteous indignation where we become angry because of something others have done to God or against God. I get angry for Him. We find Jesus doing that. Jesus lost it. Went in and drove all the people out of the temple, overthrew all the tables. But his anger was not wrong because he wasn't angry for himself. He was offended because they had offended God. It was not a selfish anger. Again, we can make the argument that Jesus was God, so in a way, he was offended and had the right to be. But you don't because you're not God, okay? And so if we're angry on God's behalf, that's one thing, but if we're angry on our behalf because we have gotten hurt or, or this has hurt us in some way or bothered us, if it's selfish, then anger becomes wrong. Well, in the, same, uh, in the same way, judgment itself is not wrong, but when we abuse judgment by casting it out for our own personal satisfaction, then judgment becomes wrong. Amen. It's like so many things God has given us, so many blessings and privileges that God has given us that in themselves are not wrong, but out of their proper place and context, they become sin. Amen. We're the ones who mess everything up. In short, God alone is righteous. He alone holds the right to cast judgment upon people. Therefore, unless you desire judgment upon yourself, Jesus says, judge not. Don't be hypercritical. Don't judge that person. Don't, and, and especially don't call out final judgments on anybody. That's not your place. Let us be very careful in our anger and in our disappointment and our sadness not to cast judgment upon the character or motives of another. Let's definitely not be, uh, be careful not to attempt to make final judgment upon people. That's not our job. That is God's job. God has already cast final judgment upon sin. John chapter 3 verse 18 says that those who are in sin and who have not believed on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, He says, they've been condemned already. Final judgment has already been made on sin. It's not our place. God's already taken care of that. He's perfectly capable. Why are they condemned? Because they have not trusted and obeyed God's plan of redemption. And God's plan of redemption is this. Back up to verse 16, God loved the world. He gave His only God's Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not suffer the consequences of his judgment, should not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. I want you to know today that if you don't know Christ as Savior, you're condemned already. Amen. It's not because I condemned you. That's not my place. It's not my right. It's not because the church has condemned you or Christians have condemned you or anyone else has condemned you, you're condemned because God is holy and righteous alone. And He has already passed condemnation on sin. Amen. Right. But with the same breath, God made a way of repentance and salvation to those who would turn from sin and put faith in Christ. Amen. And that is open and welcome to you today. I want us to stand 
If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, I want you to understand, first of all, that that can happen. Jesus paid the ultimate price for your sin. Yes, sin leads you to condemnation, but Jesus died on the cross. He took your death for you. If you will believe, confess your sin, turn away from it, and trust Christ as Savior, He'll save you today. If you'd like to know more about that, we're going to have a song. And if you want to come up and, and talk to me about salvation, I'd be glad to lead you uh, through the plan of salvation. If you're a child of God, though, and God's word has spoken to you this morning, if God has pulled up some criticism, some judgmental attitudes that you have within yourself, disagree with God. Confess them, forsake them, seek His forgiveness. He can cleanse you from it. And then just throughout the rest of this week and, and as you move on through life, ask Him to give you the right attitude and the right love and concern for others. The music's going to play, and uh, we're going to ask that uh, if anyone here this morning has a decision that needs to be made for God, that you would make that decision right now. It doesn't have to be done by coming up to the front. You can make a decision right where you are, God, dealing with your heart. Just bow right where you are, talk to him about that, confess sin, seek forgiveness, pray for his provision. You can take care of that right there. If you'd like me to pray with you or to help you in any way, uh, that's what I'm here for. But if there's any decision that needs to be made this morning, as the song plays, the invitation is given, would you come this morning? Make that decision for God.